everyone. Welcome to the Preacher Chick Podcast. I am Stacy, the Preacher Chick, and today is day 293 of reading the Bible together every day this year. Today, there is a teaching video because we are starting a new book. We are beginning the book of Romans today. Um, this is a book written by Paul um, to the church in Rome, to the people in Rome, and we get a lot in this book. There is so much that we that we see. We see clear, clear presentation of the gospel message of what it means to come to know Jesus and to follow Jesus. You know, we call it the Romans Road, right? Um, some of the very first verses of scripture I ever memorized are from Romans. And um, so as a kid, so this is a, this is a great, a great spot, man. It just really, really helps um, explain and solidify for the readers who Jesus truly is. So don't miss the teaching video from the Bible Project. It will be linked in the show notes. And we're going to read the first two chapters and we'll also read Psalm 133. Let's get to it. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh and was appointed to be the powerful son of God according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all Gentiles, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit and telling the good news about his Son that I constantly mention to you, always asking in my prayers that if it is somehow in God's will, I may now at least succeed in coming to you. For I want very much to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I often planned to come to you, but it was prevented until now in order that I might have a fruitful ministry among you, just as I have had among the rest of the Gentiles. I am obligated to both Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Oh, love this verse, Romans 1, 16, or if you listen to Christian hip-hop, 116. Uh, Romans 1, 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in, the, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth since it can be known about, since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. I just, like in other words, all creation and nature speak for themselves and people are without excuse. 
For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over in the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. For this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful passions. Their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. The men in the same way also left natural relations with women and were inflamed in their lust for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty of their error. Hey, um, unfortunate hot take, but these are the things that this is explicitly clear. And yet humanity has chosen to twist or ignore passages like this. It seems very cut and dry to me. And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them, delivered them over to a corrupt mind um, so that they would so that they do what is not right. And it's kind of like what happened with Pharaoh, where Pharaoh already had his mind set. He was never going to let the Israelites go from Egypt. And so each time he refused, God allowed his heart to be hardened a little bit more. And that's, that's kind of the same concept here. They are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. Although they know God's sentence that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. Therefore, every one of you who judges is without excuse. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself, since you, the judge, do the same things. We know that God's judgment is on those who do such things is based on the truth. Do you really think anyone who judges those who do such things yet do the same that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? I I have this verse has come to my mind multiple times since I read it last week. Not this verse in Rome, Romans, but but this verse, Romans 12, 4, makes me think of this verse in Psalm. Uh, Psalm 126, I believe. I'm going back to look because I want to read it. How many times have I read it? I've read it multiple times. Um, multiple, multiple times. Um, it's not 126. Give me a second. I. This is one of those, like, I. I don't know how many times I've read it. I've read it so many times. And yet, here we are um, where I have this epiphany style moment and it just jumps off of the page at me. Um, it is Psalm. Psalm 116. I'm so sorry. It's Psalm 116 verses 12 and 14. So we just read in Romans 2. Let me read that again. Or do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience? not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. So this is Paul post 
ascension of Jesus post encounter on the Damascus road with, with Jesus. This is Paul hundreds of years later. And what he says to me connects right back to what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 116 verses 12 through 14. How can I repay the Lord for all the good he's done for me? I will take the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. I mean, you go from like, so you just, you just despise the kindness, the richness of the kindness of God. And, and you despise the, and refuse to recognize that, that his kindness, his patience, the fact that he's not just smote you, (laughs) you, you dismiss that. But the psalmist asks the question, how can I repay the Lord for his kindness? For all the good he's done for me, I will take the cup of salvation. In other words, I will receive what Jesus has done. I will receive what God offers to me I'll and call on the name of the Lord. And I will make you the Lord of my life. I will call on your name. And then it says, I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. I will be obedient. I will honor the call. I will, I will live my life in such a way that, that those around me, know that I am not only walking in the salvation of the Lord that will not only hear me call on the name of the Lord, but will hear, but will hear and see me live out the calling God has placed on my life that I have said yes to. It's powerful. It's powerful. So Paul is like, so you're just going to dismiss all that. You're just going to, you're just going to pretend like, because he says that, that, um, you re, you you don't recognize. You're just going to pretend you don't see it. And then in verse 5, he says, Because of your hardened and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. He will repay each one according to his works. So the psalmist says, How can I repay the Lord? I can receive the cup of salvation. I can call on his name. I can I can fulfill the plans and purposes he has for my life. I can be obedient to the yes that I've said to God. And Paul makes it clear to do anything other than that, there's judgment. It says he will repay each one according to his works. Eternal life to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality. You're not saved by your works, but because you're saved, you do the works. But wrath and anger to those who are self-seeking and disobey the truth while obeying unrighteousness. There will be affliction and distress for every human being who does evil, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does what is good, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For there is no favoritism with God. All who sin without the law will also perish without the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For the hearers of the law are not righteous before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. So when Gentiles who do not by nature have the law do what the law demands, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. Their consciences confirm this. Their competing thoughts either accuse or even excuse them on the day when God judges what people have kept secret according to my gospel through Jesus Christ or through Christ Jesus. Now, if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are superior being instructed from the law, 
And if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light to those in darkness, an instructor of the ignorant, a teacher of the immature, having the embodiment of knowledge and truth in the law, you then who teach another, don't you teach yourself? You who preach, you must not steal. Do you steal? You who say, you must not commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? You who test idols, do you rob their temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? For it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Circumcision benefits you if you observe the law, but if you're a lawbreaker, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So if an uncircumcised man keeps the law requirements, will not his circumcision be counted as circumcision? A man who is physically uncircumcised but who keeps the law will judge you who are a lawbreaker in spite of the letter of the law and circumcision. For a person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, and true circumcision is not something visible in the flesh. On the contrary, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and the circumcision is of the heart. By the Spirit, not the letter, that person's praise is not from people, but from in Psalm 133, I kind of think it's interesting to go from that passage in Romans to this passage in Psalms. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. <laughs> we just heard Paul like, okay, you're teaching these things. Are you living by it? And then we come back here to the Psalm 133. And David says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony, together, unity. It is like fine oil on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard onto his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has appointed the blessing, life forevermore. What a good day. I hope you have a great one, friends. Um, and come back tomorrow. We'll continue to read Romans as we continue to read the Bible together every day. See you then.